Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Well, thank you, the worship team. Great, great job today. Would you take your Bibles, turn to 2 Chronicles chapter number 7. 2 Chronicles in the Old Testament. Uh, you may have to look in the front of your Bible. You'll find it there. It'll be up on the screen um, in, in a moment, too. So either way, 2 Chronicles chapter 7. So I'm starting a, a um, new series today called Revival. It's kind of our theme of the year because, um, hey, uh, the, the world's in a mess. Can I get amen right there? Right, the world's in a mess. Whew. And, um, you know, I'm kind of one of those guys, I think I have the answer to about everything in life. You give me a whiteboard and a marker and a couple hours in the room, I can figure anything out, you name it, or, or you know, uh, uh, hard work or solve about everything, you know, just put in extra hours, a little blood, sweat, and tears, and you'll, you know, hard work cures most problems in life, and, and it's kind of the way I think, but I want to be honest with you, we're in a place right now, um, I don't have the answers and hard work is not going to fix it. We're in a situation right now in our world in general where what we need is a move of God. And I can't work it up and I can't fake it and I can't do it without him. We need a move of God. And when we're in this bad of shape and we need a move of God, we call that revival. When he's our only answer, we need revival. So we're going to talk about that in the whole the whole theme of this series, and we'll, we'll do the 21 days of prayer, but I, I'm actually, I'm just going to park it here preaching for a little while, um, and it'll be more than three or four Sundays that I want to talk about uh, revival for uh, a little bit. And so uh, we'll, we'll start that today. 2020 was kind of a strange year for sure, like I don't have to say that, you've said amen to that. Uh, but, and I'm going to quit talking about 2020 pretty soon because we better start worrying about 2021 because it ain't got no better in 2021 uh, than 2020. And, but there's still, I'm finding interesting facts about 2020. I, I've got one real interesting fact I want to talk about uh, in a, a while from now. I'm saving it for something about 2020. It just blew my mind. But today, let me just do this one more time. Talk about weird things because here's what happened. There were some weird things that happened in 2020 that normally would have been major news and would have stayed on the news for a long time. But because the rest of of the year was so wild we forgot about the we had so much crazy happen we forgot about the the subtext of the crazy that was going on at the same time so let me, let me remind you some of the crazier things that you've forgotten about about 2020 for example here's what we know uh by the way i'm preaching this subject today just don't run out the clock i'll show you in a minute hey here's what we know that the weather went wild in 2020 do you know in 140 years of climate history that we have kept it on record that january 2020 was the hottest january in the history of keeping records that it was so hard in new york city that new york city just got reclassified by the national meteorological service as a humid subtropical climate zone you say, what does that mean? That's the same classification Florida has. That's how hot it was in New York City. There were record-breaking 30 Atlantic-named storms, hurricanes. As a matter of fact, we had so many hurricanes, they ran out of names and had to start using the Greek alphabet after that because we, we, we ran out of names. Did you know that only... Three states in the United States in 2020, 47 out of 50 states 
had a billion-dollar weather-related disaster. The only three that didn't were Alaska, Hawaii, and North Dakota. Couldn't even make the news in 2020. 2020 was so crazy. You know, let me tell you what else happened in 2020 that normally make the news. You may know who this is. No, nobody's known so far because he's gotten old. Bless his heart. That's Bob Dylan. You know what Bob Dylan did in 2020, the singer Bob Dylan? He released a 17-minute song about the assassination of JFK in 1963. What were you doing in 2020? Because he wrote a 17-minute a song and released it. Like we cared. Uh, called Murder Most Foul. I mean, typically, CNN, that would have dominated CNN for a week, a good week in 2020, and you didn't even hear about it. Not knowing that. This one was big. That the Navy, the Department of Defense, released three videos of, to be honest, what they're calling unidentified flying objects. And then captured by Navy pilots on video. They still don't know what they are. They... Uh, uh, are calling them an unidentified flying objects, and the Navy doesn't know. And we're not saying they're extraterrestrials. I don't believe in extraterrestrials, but the Pentagon is not saying it's extraterrestrials. But you will be surprised. Uh, you will find it interesting that the Pentagon quietly, just two months after they released this, started a task force to investigate UFOs. So I'm not saying Area 51 is legit, but it, I'd stay away if I were you, because I, I don't know. Uh, Anybody remember this happened in 2020? Murder hornets invaded. And look, that's usually good prime news, right? When something called a murder something other invades America. Murder hornets invaded America. Now, come to find out, we got a little uptight for about a minute over this. And come to find out, stuff like this happens all the time. And murder hornets don't murder humans. They murder uh uh, honeybees. But look, in 2020, who knew? Very, very possible that could have been the end of civilization as we know it, but barely made the news. And then this happened. I don't know what to do with this. This happened. Uh, Elon Musk had a baby and named it that. I, I don't know. I don't know. But it was big news for about a minute. Grimes, his wife Grimes, and anyway, they named it that. And I had to watch a video. I don't know how to speak this, whatever that is. And so I had to watch a video. And you pronounce it because, you know, you're going to need to know, know it one day. You're going to pro you pronounce it X-A-12. X-A-12. That kid's name is X-A-12. And I just want to tell this kid, uh, you're going to get it beat up in middle school a whole bunch. That, that, is, that, is, that is like legit. They, they should homeschool this kid because he's not going to make it like in public. That, that's not going to go well uh, for him. But that was news in, in 2020. And then this happened. Anybody, anybody remember this? Anybody get seeds from China in the mail? Anybody right here get seeds from China? Well, I hope, I hope not. But seeds from China started showing up in people's mailboxes. And the craziest thing was people planted them. And the government was like, hey, don't do that. That could be literally a terrorist initiative from China to plant some kind of crazy scene. Has anybody ever seen the movie Little Shop of Horrors? Anybody ever seen that movie like years ago? Plants can grow big enough to eat people. Apparently, don't plant Chinese seeds in the ground. Come on, it shouldn't take the government having to tell us that. Oh, this from China, what could go wrong? And then I'm going to go plant them in my bedroom and then get eight two days later. But, and then finally, crazy thing in 2020 happened. Uh, we, you've forgotten totally about, had to do with the presidential election. And I know you're thinking, 
Bridge, I ain't forgotten nothing about president. I know, I know, but you did forget this because so much crazy has been going on. Crazy on top of crazy on top of crazy. We forgot the biggest crazy of all of it was not two people didn't run for president. Three people actually did. Kanye West ran for president in 2020. And look, in 2020, we were about like, yeah, that's about right. That's about right. It makes sense. He may get elected for all we know because it is 2020. After all, like all this stuff happened in 2020, and, and we only can get, because of the craziness of our lives, we can only get the couple of big things in our mind, and there's all these other things that happened that were just as crazy, and we wind up forgetting those things. If we don't stop and pause, we wind up forgetting, and forgetting uh, is bad is not good but the truth is we forget a lot more than what happened in 2020 because we as humans have this tendency to have a type of spiritual amnesia where we forget things we should not forget that when the craziness of life descends on us when the craziness of a 2020 comes when the crazierness of a 2021 rolls around that we forget things we should not forget for example we forget our walk with the lord for example, we forget vows and commitments we've made to God. And, and you may be thinking, well, wait, what vow have I made to God? Listen, you've done it. You've done it in the darkest hour of your life. You've said to God, hey, if you'll get me out of this, I'll do this. If you'll rescue me from this, I'll do this. And God rescues us and delivers, and we forget all about it. We forget we're ambassadors and not citizens. We forget a judgment day is coming. We forget that there is a standard for living this life and we call it the holy word of God. We forget that this life is the real deal. It's not a dress rehearsal. And when we forget, what we need is a revival. Revival's a little hard to define, but let me give you some other people's definitions of revivals. For example, Robert Baird said it's an extraordinary season of religious interest. Stephen Olford, great preacher, said the sovereign act of God in which he restores his own backsliding people to repentance, faith, and obedience. Then we have J. Edward Orr who said it is a time of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Then there is uh, Charles Feeney, the great revivalist, who said the return of the church from her backslidings and the conversion of sinners. And then this is a long one, but it's the one I like the best, that revival refers to a spiritual reawakening from a state of dormancy or stagnation in the life of a believer. It encompasses the resurfacing of a love for God. An appreciation of God's holiness, a passion for his word and his church, a convicting awareness of personal and corporate sin, a spirit of humility, and a desire for repentance and growth in righteousness. That is revival. Revival is when the Christian draws closer and closer to God. Revival is when the Christian trusts him more and more. Revival is when we are risking more for the kingdom, sharing more for the kingdom, giving more reaching more feeling the Christian life with an intensity like we've never felt it before or experienced that is what a revival really is and a revival can I tell you is what the world needs can I get an amen but revival is what America needs. Revival is what Pevine City needs. Revival is what our church needs. Revival is what you need. Revival is what I God told Solomon in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 what to do when the fire of God was burning low.
there's going to come this time in your life when the fire of God, you need to rekindle the fire of Jesus. It's burning low. What, what happens when that happens to us? If you're in a room, would you stand with me? I want us to read together 2 Chronicles chapter 7. A very familiar passage of Scripture if you've been in church for a long time, but let's look at it with fresh eyes today. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. It's on the screen if you don't have, have your Bible, but uh, verse number 12. Then, then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I've heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple of sacrifice. If I shut the sky so there's no rain, or if I command the grasshopper to consume the land, or if I send pestilence on my people, and my people who bear my name humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and turn from their evil ways, then, 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 I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Thank you. You may be seated. Where we are in Solomon in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 is that Solomon the king has just finished building the grand and glorious temple of our God. That is the grandest temple that will ever be built, the grandest temple on the face of the earth. That it is Solomon has taken all of his power, all of his influence, all of his wealth, and he's built the most amazing temple the world has ever seen or ever will see. And when he did it and he sacrificed and dedicated it to the Lord, the Bible tells us that the glory of God has filled the temple. As a matter of fact, look at it. It goes back. It's in the same chapter, beginning, beginning verse number one. Just look up here with me. I want you to see what all happened. That when Solomon finished praying, the dedication of the temple, that fire descended from heaven. It didn't come out of a match. It descended from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The Shekinah glory, visible cloud of the glory of God descended and filled the temple. And the priests were not able to enter the Lord's temple because the glory of the Lord filled the temple of the Lord. And all the Israelites were watching when the fire descended and the glory of the Lord came on the temple. They bowed down on the pavement with their faces to the ground. They worshiped and praised the Lord for he is good, for his faithful love endures forever. Now that's just happened. I mean, wow, that has just happened. It is a grand and glorious event as Israel has or ever will experience in her history that, that fire from heaven has fallen and consumed the sacrifices. And listen, it's still burning on the altar from heaven. And then there was the glory of God which descended like a cloud from heaven and, resi- and look, they could feel the presence of God. They could feel the power of God. So much so that the priest could not even go into the temple The power of God was thick, we might say. (laughs) Solomon goes to bed. God knocks on his heart. He says, Solomon, we've got to talk. Um, Hey, Solomon, um, it was good today, today, wasn't it? Amen, God, it was great. You saw the fire fall, yeah. You saw the glory, yeah. Israel's pumped up and excited about me, yeah, that's right. Uh, God says, um, It's not going to last. What? And there in bed at night, God tells Solomon, hey, there's going to come a time where I'm going to have to send discipline on the children of Israel. I'm going to have to send, as excited as you think you are about me right now, Solomon, as, as you can look out your window and see the shine of the literal presence of God in your midst, it is not going to last. And so here's what I want to do. 
knowing it's not going to last. Tonight, I want to give you instructions on getting the glory back when it fades. We call that revival. Because there's been a time in your life where the glory of God was thick in your life. The presence of God radiated in your life. That, that, that feeling that you may, may have when you got saved, it may have happened when you were in your quiet time one day, you were reading your Bible and God just spoke to your life like he's never done it before. It may have been in a church service where, the, where the, it felt like the Spirit of God descended on the place and inside your heart, and whether anybody has felt it or not, it, you did and you, you were as close to God as you've ever been. And since then, how do I get it back? God gave Solomon the prescription for getting it back. Now, I'll be honest, this was originally, I was going to preach all this passage in one sermon today, and I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it through two points. I realized that when I was studying that God was saying more to me than I could get out in one sermon. So I'm going to tell you two things today and four things next week. So please, please, please don't miss next week because I want you to see this prescription for getting the glory of God back and he tells it to Solomon even before it's gone let me tell you two things today about revival number one is this yesterday's fire may not burn today God immediately addresses an issue that is sure to come up that is the wandering of the people of God away from the Lord Now, if I were Solomon, I'd say, God, why are we talking about such negative things? God, I just built the most grand and glorious temple that's ever been on earth. God, I just watched the fire of God fall down from heaven. God, I just watched the visible presence of God that has descended from heaven and occupied the temple. Hey, God, you may not know it. This is parade time, not preaching time. Why are you preaching to me tonight, God? God came down to Solomon. He said, listen, Solomon, while the fire is still hot in the temple, while the radiance of the glory of God is still captivating your mind, while the brilliance of the moment is still enthralling your life, listen, I need to talk about when those things are gone. And discipline has entered the arena because of your sin and your rebellion. I mean, God, could we give it a minute? Could could we just enjoy? No, God said no, because here's what you need to hear, Solomon, is that yesterday's fire may not burn today. As glorious as this event is, tomorrow your feet may wander. As glorious as this event is, tomorrow your heart may grow cold. As glorious as this is, tomorrow you may get distracted. As glorious today is, tomorrow you may not remember today. And the truth of walking with Jesus is that yesterday's fire doesn't always burn today. The only thing that lasts forever in the spiritual life is your eternal life. But that day-to-day walk with God has a way of um, leaking out. Leaking out. As a matter of fact, it's almost as if, it's almost as if when, when, um, when, when we're at our peak, it's almost as it's like an expiration date gets stamped on it. And you say, why is that? Because our feet have this tendency to wander. And the revival that we felt in our hearts and lives yesterday, a year ago, or five years ago, or 10 years ago, or decades ago, has a way of dimming today. And that, that fire of Jesus that's in our heart, it has, has expired. 
it's a, it's a new year, and some of you are probably thinking about, you know, spring cleaning or pre. Every now and then, my wife and I, we we go through our pantry. We like to keep stuff organized, and we we go through our pantry and and we uh, we get rid of stuff. You know, you you'll find cans in there that um, that you you plan on you know, cooking something with that, and then you forgot about it, and it sets in there. You know, you, you go in there, it's a can maybe a year old or, you know, six months old or something, but I got to wondering, thinking about that, how, how long do things really last? Because we know, like, milk, you know, those kind of things, dairy, may last a week or two, that's it. Did you know this? I looked it up, that you have probably things in your refrigerator that you need to throw away. Like, for example, did you know ketchup and mustard only has, like, a one-year safe-to-eat date on it? And some of you got ketchup in your refrigerator 10 years. <laughs> now, don't eat that. Don't, it needs to be thrown away. Like, you should get rid of it. It lasts about a year. Well, good news is, I found out when did dig a little bit, pickles last five years. I love sour dill pickles. They last five years, so that's good. They don't ever last that long at my house, but they can at your house. They don't last five years. And then you start getting to major things like, like rice. Just good old rice in a bag or a box. You know that last couple of decades couple of decades and then if you're looking for like zombie apocalypse food you know stuff that you need to eat when the end of the world happens and you're trying to store up some survival food I found two foods that basically last forever one is dried beans right so if you want to put up some survivalist food in your basement or attic wherever you may do it dry beans uh, last just basically science says forever you find dry beans that adam and eve dried out and they still be good today like they still they'd be fine you could eat them it'd be all right uh but so i'm gonna give you an option you your survivalist kit can be full of dried beans because they last forever or it can be full of this which lasts forever and that is jolly ranchers last forever ever so i'm trying to figure out there's got to be a dried pinto bean recipe with jolly ranchers in it right like that would be the ultimate survival food is jolly ranchers but here's what science tells us that because of that hard sugar or something that goes into a jolly rancher it basically never ever goes bad like jolly ranchers last for all eternity like i've heard they're going to be in heaven because god's going to burn the earth up and they're going to last like there's nothing to get rid of them they last forever except except Jolly Ranchers last forever, except unless they get wet. And if, you, if your Jolly Ranchers get wet or moist or damp in any kind of way, their shelf life diminishes quickly. Why, why do you tell us that? Because here, here's the truth. What Jesus gave you at salvation, the glory of God that came to live inside your heart, can I tell you that? That doesn't fade the problem is never what Jesus gave you. The problem is never what God put in your heart. The problem is never the Holy Spirit that resides in you. The glory of God that takes up residence in your heart, that never fades. Well, then what's the problem? The problem is your walk with God gets wet. It gets wet with sin that you refuse to repent. It gets wet with uh, inattention to your Christian life. It gets wet with routine and disobedience and lukewarmness and complacency. Your Christian life gets wet with rebellion and bitterness and unforgiveness. All of that waters down your Christian life. And the next thing you know, your fire has gone out. And the glory of our walk with God is gone. And there are people here today, there are people watching today that there was a time in your life where you were excited about being saved. I mean, there was a time in your life where generally you were so excited that God had saved your soul. 
There was a time in your life when you were scratching and clawing your way to be close to God. There was a time when you were telling everybody you knew about what Jesus. Man, I love that song, I Got Saved So Much. I love that song. There was a time when you were telling everybody you got saved. There was a time when nothing would keep you away from church. A time when nothing would keep you away from the Bible. A time when nothing would keep you away from prayer and from worshiping holy God. And now we sit here today and the fire's gone. It's gone. And any excuse will keep us out of church. And we have a Bible, but we don't know where it is. And when we come to church, we sit here with our hands in our pockets as if God is not worthy of our worship. The problem is yesterday's fire is not burning today. The problem is you need revival. The problem is we need revival. That We need a fresh wind of God today, a fresh fire of God today, a fresh glory of God today. You need God to show up today and do something in your life. Can we, can we just be honest? Can we be honest? Too many Christians are running off the gas they put in their Christian tank years ago. And today is the day to get filled up and fired up because yesterday's fire is not burning. And if you want revival, if you want to feel closer to God than you've ever felt, if you want to be closer to God than you've ever been, that's called revival. And the first step is saying, hey, that's me. Yesterday's fire is not burning today. See, the second thing that God told Solomon, and that is this. It's not them, it's us. It's not we. It's me. And look at what he said, my people who bear my name. Before God prescribes the formula for coming back to him, he tells us who the formula is for. Now, the instructions were not for the nations of the earth. He does that oftentimes. The, the instructions were those who were joined to God by covenant, the nation of Israel. And he says, here is who revival is for. Revival is for my people, those who bear my name. That's so important. Hear me, hear me, that's so important. You know why? Because we think the cure to life's ills, to the world's problems, lies in getting those people to act right. We think we need to get those people to do right, those people to be right, those people to get right. And so we... We rail about how sinful the world is. We talk about how today's music is so horrible. We talk about how if Hollywood would just get their act together, if they would just act right. Hey, we talk about Washington, D.C. needs to get its act together. Uh, Los Angeles needs, Atlanta, they need to get that together. Listen to me, that is not the problem. Problem's not them. Stop it, it's not them. Hey, quit, quit, quit blaming our problems on CNN. The world's not in the shape it's in because of CNN. The world's in the shape it is because of us. The problem is we're sinful. The problem is we're far from God. The problem is how we're acting and we're talking. Wait, wait. Problem's not even we. Problem's me. Problem's you. I mean, if the world is going to have revival, and if the church is going to have revival, and if the nation is going to have revival, qu quit praying for them out there. 
quit, quit praying for MSNBC to get their hearts right with God. They're not the problem. They're a mess, but they're not the problem. They, they, they don't bear that name. It's never the problem. God said, I tell you, when the fire of God falls, you, and here's literally what he said. When your nation gets in a mess. It's literally what he said. When the nation gets in a mess. Let me tell you what the problem is. Don't, don't go blaming the sinners for it. Blame these people. Quit praying for them. Start praying for us. It's not a them prayer. It's an us prayer. Hey, it's not even really a we prayer. It's a me prayer. Revival is for those who bear the name of Christ. Because it's a big deal to carry the name of God. If you call yourself a Christian, a Christ follower, one who comes from Christ, it's a big name to carry the name of Jesus. I, I can, it, it's, can I say this? It's a big deal, earthly speaking. It's a big deal. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle just had their first child in 2019. Did you know that naming him was a big deal? Like his name is Archie Harrison Mountbatten Windsor. Archie Harrison Mountbatten Windsor. It's a big deal. You just can't name your kid Bob if, you're, if he's royalty. You got to like spend some time with him. Like it's a big deal. And so I've, I looked up, there's some rules to go with it. Like for example, they don't have a surname or a last name. If they have to have one, they write Mountbatten Windsor when they need one, but they don't go, hey, he's Prince Archie. That's all you need to know, buddy. That's it. They're Prince Archie. And if he has to fill out one of those forms, you know, where you write your name, which by the way, that's a, that's, he's not going to get those in the boxes. I can tell you that. Somebody with the last name Sutherland, 11 letters is too much to ever get in the boxes. He's not getting Mountbatten Windsor in any boxes whatsoever, but, but like. You just Prince Archie, all you need to know. But, but they were interesting. So, so um, he was entitled to have a, his royal highness name, like Prince, but his parents opted to go with master, and notice this, a private citizen title. Really? Like, private citizen title? Do you know any private citizens you're required to call master around, like, in your... I mean, I, I required it at my house, but I didn't know if anybody else did it or not. I, I thought it was probably just me, but um, Master PJ is kind of like my DJ name, you know, Master PJ and uh, my rapper name. Um, uh, but like, so, I mean, you know your royalty when your title is either going to be prince or master. Like, your only royalty gets that. But it was even more complicated because Megan could not name him after her mom, they had to be named after a royal family member. But get this, there's one caveat, not a bad one. Like if there was a crazy Uncle Earl in the family, you can't name him Earl anymore. Earl, Earl went done gone crazy and we can't name him Earl because he's, we don't talk about him anymore. Nobody knows what happened to him in England, but he's gone. You get this, they, they have to discuss the name with the queen. The queen has to approve the name and she can cancel out the name. Mommy and daddy want to name Archie, she could have said no if she had wanted to, but I guess she didn't. And then finally, never are they allowed to use a public nickname. Never. Like if you want to call him, what did I say his name was? Archie Harrison Mountbatten something? I mean, honestly, that didn't even have a nickname for it, does it? I don't know. That's a mess. You, you can't even use a nickname. You can use one in private, but she prefers you not to. She prefers them to be called, the queen does, be called Archie. Now you say, why all the hoopla? I'll tell you why. Because the name you carry matters. 
From that point forward, when little Master Archie was born, he was a reflection of the royal throne. Like, like, like the queen cares because everything about this kid, kid says royalty and she wants his name to matter. Now listen to me, if it matters for earthly queens, if it matters for earthly royalty, how much more for the child of God? You carry the name of Jesus if you know him. I carry the name of Jesus. We are a reflection of heaven's throne. And it's we that need revival. It's me that need revival. Stop thinking the world needs to get better. It's not. Stop thinking sinners need to sin less. They won't. Stop thinking the heathen need to straighten up. Hey, can I tell you? And God didn't even address them. God knew that immorality and wickedness was right around the corner and God didn't even address that. He didn't even address it. He said, here's what my people who bear my name. My people who bear my name. I, I've been wanting to say this all morning. I, I've ran out of time, so I haven't mentioned it at all. But you remember the story of, of Sodom and Gomorrah in, in the book of Genesis? I just read it in my Bible reading a few days ago. Sodom and Gomorrah, in, in, you, remember, you, you remember what would have saved Sodom and Gomorrah? Do you remember what would have saved Sodom and Gomorrah? Did God, God said this, their wickedness has come up before me. He said, yeah, God struck them dead because of that wickedness no he did not you know why god struck them struck sodom and gomorrah dead so that they've never been a city since then never will be for all of eternity you know why god struck them dead you say yeah wickedness no no you know why because they couldn't find a handful of righteous people Hey, the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah is greater than what we're in today. And God didn't kill them because of their wickedness. God killed them because he couldn't find a handful. A handful. I mean, just enough to fit in your car if you squeeze in real tight. God, God couldn't find a car full of people who bore his name and would live righteous and holy. So listen to me. The problem is not sinners. The problem's us. The problem's you. The problem's me. We need revival. And you close your Bibles and I'm done. I talk sports. I don't usually like to end with a sports illustration, but this one makes my point so well. It was 47 years ago, just a few days ago, was the anniversary of a bas college basketball game between the University of Tennessee and Temple University. And the only reason it's worth mentioning is ESPN later deemed it the worst sporting event of the 20th century. The worst sporting event. It was close because Tennessee had a lot of other stuff in there that was close, but it was this one thing that made it the, the worst sporting event of the 20th century. Owls coach, tennis, the Temple Owls coach, Don Casey, who later coached the Nets and the Clippers, determined that the only way to beat the volunteers who were a much better team was to hold the ball and run out the clock. And so it had never been done before this way. And the shot clock was still 12 years away from making it into college level. This was 1973. And so the shot clock wasn't in around yet. And so one newspaper reported, local newspaper, that, that uh, Temple held the ball 
for 32 out of the 40 minutes during the game. And do you know what the final score of the basketball game was? 11 to 6. Casey told Basketball Digest in 2003, he said, Tennessee had a great team, and the only thing we could do was, was keep the ball away from them and run out the clock. So they took two guys, and they put them out. And by the way, I tried to find video of it. There's, apparently, this game was so bad, nobody thinks it's worth the effort to upload any video to the game. And, and so uh, the final score, 11-6, to six, uh, Casey took two point guards. He put them at the 28-foot line at half court. He separated them by five feet, and he told them to pass it back and forth the entire game. And if somebody came to guard them, they'd run around, come back, come back to the same spot, and pass it back and forth. All they wanted to do was run out the clock. The score at halftime was Tennessee was ahead 7-5. to five. Now, I'll be honest. At halftime, I want my money back. Like, I'm done. Like, I'm done. I paid money, good money. Got my kids, got them excited about seeing a basketball game. And I'm here watching two goofballs out here at the 28-foot line pass the ball back and forth for 32 minutes. I want my money back. I want my popcorn money back, right? Like, because I got $14 at a ball game. I want my popcorn money back. I want my $9 Diet Coke reimbursed. I want all my money back. I want it all back. Because I didn't come to watch a 7-5 to five basketball game at halftime. Casey said it was uncharted territory. We didn't know what we were doing. They were only behind by two. The final score was 11 to 6. And tell you how exciting the game was. Nobody scored a basket in the second half. Tennessee hit four free throws. Temple hit one. And it was 32 minutes of this. Casey said all we want to do is run out the clock. And I tell you that story because it was deemed the worst sporting event of the 20th century, but yet that's the way most Christians are approaching their Christian life. We are in a run-out-the-clock situation here. Yeah, I go to church most of the time because that's what I do. I have a Bible, don't know where it is. I, I, I said a prayer a few days ago. I'm not as bad a sinner as most people I know. I put a little money in the offering plate. I help with the kids every now and then. That's running out the clock. God didn't save us to have us run out the clock. He saved us so we could have the fire of Jesus burning in our hearts and our lives every single day and you need revival if you're in a room somewhere would you stand with me just stand with me heads bowed eyes closed if you're online hang with me online hang with me no matter where you are would you bow your heads and close your eyes bow your heads and close your eyes we, we've not been giving come forward invitations, but we're changing that today. As a matter of fact, the first two services, we've seen the altars filled. I, I think it's time that we, that the need is too urgent for us to ignore the altar or be too safe with the altar anymore. And so while our heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I want to ask you a question online in the room, Rossville, I want to ask you a question. And, and listen, nobody's looking. This is between you and God. But let me take just a, give me just 30 seconds to ask the question. 
I want you to think back, and has there ever been a time in your life when you were closer to the Lord than what you are now? Has there ever been a time in your life where you're more on fire for the Lord than what you are right now? Has there ever been a time in your life when you're more passionate about the things of God than what you are now? If that is true, if today is not the apex of your Christian life, if that's true, you need revival. How could we not need revival? How could we not? But it starts with willing, being willing to admit it. So with heads bowed, eyes closed. How many of you just tell God, slip up your hand and say, God, I need revival. That's my testimony this morning. I need revival. I need revival. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Keep putting them up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All around the room. I couldn't see everybody all around the room. Here's what we're going to ask you to do. When you're at Rossville in this room, if you're watching online, find a place, slip off and find a place to pray right now or sometime today. But let me talk to the people who are in the room. Are you serious? Do you need revival? I want to show we're serious today. I'm going to ask you to slip out from where you are, walk down the aisle, come to an altar, distance as much as you can, find a place to kneel, do what you got to do, but let's get serious with God and say, God, I need revival. Yesterday's fire has gone out. God, it's not them. I've spent too much of my time railing on them, but it's me, God, it's me that needs revival. Would you join these already coming? Father, draw us with your spirit. You've spoken to us through your word. In Jesus' name. Josh, you sing. Hey, would you come this morning? Just come join these. Find a place to kneel. I pray in a minute, but you find a place to kneel. It's time for you to do business with God. Would you come? Lord, I come. I confess. Bowing here. Come on. You raise your hand. I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. Lord, I need revival. Lord, yesterday's fire is not burning as bright as it was in my heart. Lord, I've been so worried about them. It's me, oh Lord, it's me standing in the need of prayer. I need you, Lord. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh, God, how I need you. Sin runs deep. Your grace is more. Grace is found. Oh, it's where you are, where you are, Lord, I am free. Holiness is Christ in me. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you, my one defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I need you. Hey Lord, it's easy in this world to get so concerned about them 
We see it every day. It's bombarding us every day. It's overwhelming us every day. And we're not careful. We forget your word. It's not them that's the problem. It's us. And while we're so worried about them, our fire goes out. While we're so worried about them, we grow cold. While we're so worried about them, we need revival. Oh, Lord, may it be so. May it be so. We need today's fire burning in our bones. Bring us closer to Jesus today. Send revival to me. Send revival to us. Send revival, Lord. Send revival. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.